No, I'm not. You got a good ice machine at home, so. Yeah, I want you're a margarita machine. Shaped ice cubes in your drink. Okay. How dare it not crush my ice properly? Okay, anyways. <laughs> is this gonna be on the? This is gonna make it to final cut. It might. Sometimes I put a little bit of random shit at the beginning. I think that's what the fans want. Yeah. A little bit of authenticity. <laughs> um. Hello, and welcome to Cauldron Cakes and Wine, a Harry Potter podcast. My name is Polly. Hi, everyone. I'm Brownie. This is a podcast where we discuss all things Harry Potter. We are reading the books and critically analyzing them. This week, we will be discussing Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, chapters 17 to 22. Please be aware that this podcast... Oh. I'm touching my butt! Sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking for a, a foothold, a handhold. <laughs> Okay. A place to put my hand. Sure thing. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, please be aware that this podcast is marked explicit, meaning that we cover adult themes. <laughs> like butt touching. <laughs> we occasionally swear and sometimes talk about sensitive subjects. Be sure to check out the description for content warnings. Also be warned, there are spoilers ahead. Tonight we'll be discussing chapters 17 to 22, uh, but sometimes we will also go rogue and talk about all seven books and extended Harry Potter universe things. You've been warned. Hi guys, I just wanted to say that this episode was recorded weeks ago and I'm just getting around to editing it now. So first off, apologies for the sporadic nature of this podcast currently. We're still in lockdown here where we live in Canada. Um, we haven't even gone to phase two of our reopen yet. So things are still very up in the air for us um, where we're living. There are three things that I wanted to address. Because we couldn't talk about them when we recorded because they hadn't happened yet. This episode was recorded before the murder of George Floyd. It didn't feel right to release this episode without addressing this issue. We stand with the protesters and with Black Lives Matter. We are white podcasters and we encourage our white listeners to go and educate themselves on issues of racism, police brutality, and white supremacy. I want you to hear people of color as they express their pain and listen to what they need from us as white allies. It is also really important to me as a Canadian that we understand that we are no better. There are serious issues of systematic racism in Canada as well. If you are a Canadian, I urge you to go and research issues of racism in Canada and issues that Indigenous Canadians are facing. The second thing that I wanted to address is J.K. Rowling's transphobic tweets. We've spoken about this on the podcast before. I find it appalling that she continues to make these comments even after the backlash that she has received. I find it wildly reckless that she does not educate herself while having such a large platform. Daniel Radcliffe released a statement on this subject, and I'm going to read part of it because he says it better than I ever could. To all the people who now feel that their experience of the books has been tarnished or diminished, I am deeply sorry for the pain these comments have caused you. I really hope that you do not entirely lose what was valuable in these stories to you. If these books taught you that love is the strongest force in the universe, capable of overcoming anything, if they taught you that strength is found in diversity and the dogmatic idea of pureness leads to the opposition of vulnerable groups, if you believe that a particular character is trans, non-binary, or gender fluid, or that they are gay or bisexual, if you found anything in these stories that resonates with you and helped you at any time in your life, then that is between you and the books that you read, and that is sacred. And in my opinion, no one can touch that. It means to you what it means to you, and I hope that these comments will not taint that too much. Love always, Dan. Please know that if you are hurting, this podcast supports you, this fandom supports you, and these books are for you. She may have written them, but they are now ours, and we get to decide what we do with them and what they mean to us. Um, so that's all I have in the new segment that is called The Horrors of the World. We're going to get started on the actual podcast. Thanks for listening. Segment 1. The Pensieve. We sift through our real-life memories being a part of the Harry Potter fandom. Okay, guys, so we're here in quarantine. Um, we're drinking. Polly's double-wielding. Double-fisting. Dual-wielding. What, what does that mean? You have two guns. You're dual-wielding. You have two drinks. <laughs> you 
<laughs> just spilling the alcohol yeah, everywhere. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> I did already spill some wine, so we're in peak form already. Peak form. Peak form. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I went golfing this afternoon and had quite a few beers on the course. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And then he did drunk yoga. <laughs> was falling over. <laughs> a couple of unsteady poses, but balancing poses are not you also very nice were not. We didn't do any balancing poses. Okay, t- trigonasana is one of the hardest things for me to do. Oh yeah, triangle pose is really hard. Trigonasana. Did I just go full yoga? Right? <laughs> yeah, you're like full yogi. You're like, Ooh. was that good? Yeah. High Did five. I pronounce it correctly? I think so, but I don't really know the uh, like. Neither do I. Just, yeah. It, I didn't even. It just came out. <laughs> Speaking of just things coming out, should we just talk about some Harry fucking Potter? Well, yeah, before we started, I just wanted to mention to everyone that I have a, another podcast called Cauldron Cakes and Wine Bedtime Stories. Yes. So hop over there if you're having some trouble sleeping. and Now's a really good time for that as well. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people's sleep cycles are a little bit mangled. Like ours. We stay up till 2 a.m. <laughs> every night. Yeah, but we don't listen to the podcast all the time. I so know. That would no. be a little weird, no? I have listened to it to help me fall asleep, but it is kind of weird listening to my own voice. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I've started writing a second one. There's only one episode out right now. The first one is A Walk Around Hogwarts. Hogwarts. The second one is uh, The Shire. Mm. And uh, there might be fireflies in it. Sweet. You mm-hmm. love fireflies. I know. They're my favorite. Could I... No, I don't think my voice would be very good for that. <laughs> well, I asked you if you wanted to write one. You mm. could write one. Yeah, I could help. I could help in the design, not, yeah. not, not necessarily the execution. I mean, I'm worried people won't understand what you're saying already. <laughs> yeah. I could start talking a little bit softer. I mean, that is what I do. I know. You listen. You were, but I just you sound creepy. Me. I just <laughs> sound like a little bit. Oh, I'm coming to haunt your dreams. Hello. Welcome to Bedtime Stories. Yeah, I, I also don't think I have the patience to talk as slowly as you do. Oh, yeah, because I talk really slow. Well, you you're like, to. You're like, maybe you're talking too slow. I'm like getting to the chase. I'm like, there's got to be a crescendo of all this. Anyway, we digress. Anyways, yeah, moving on. So in our first segment, we normally talk about our memories um, from when we were younger, reading the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already talked about mine when we did the first two on this and I don't really have any new ones, but I was wondering what your memories were of this third Harry Potter book. It's been a long time. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a very long time. I've probably read them when I was probably 13 years old. I'd say. They're 13 in the book. And I think we were around the age that they were. You're in... a little bit older than me. You're a bit of a fossil. <laughs> For me, memories, um, <laughs> I, look, look. Firstly, I remember. I think I think this was the first one that had a like a midnight release. Um, did it? Where I don't know, but I, no, I don't think this. No, one did. probably not. Actually, I don't know. I just wanted that to be true. Yeah. If you had, I just ran with that. I would have been like, <laughs> yes, yes. I was totally there at eleven thirty. I don't know if it probably did. earlier. Um, but no. So maybe no. Maybe it wasn't. Okay. So you don't really remember this book, really? No, that was probably my my. <laughs> I, yes. Man. Okay. What I, I, is like, like your number one memory from the Harry Potter series in general? Like, what's your favorite memory? Uh, now I can't say lining up to to try and get in. But was it? Twelve. Is that it? Midnight. No, I do remember. But I, I like the the number one memory. I think, and that's probably the case for a lot of people. Uh, don't dare say our age, but the fact that we grew up uh, as, of similar age as the main characters, and we got to kind of live our teenage lives and, and grow up as each book came out and, and sort of like going mm-hmm. on that journey with them. And I thought that was something which was really awesome. You can tell that like J.K. Rowling spent a lot of time around kids because I feel like the characters ring so true and authentic to what children are like at different ages and stages. Mm-hmm. Because you, like you said, we grow up with the characters. And I remember really identifying in each book with the way that some of the characters acted. Being like, it made sense that they like authentically acted that way. So I feel like she yeah. probably drew a lot from her own children. I mean, now looking back on it retrospectively, sure, I can appreciate that. But at the time, I was just frothing 
the adventures. Like, well, yeah, I no, I'm talking really... about now looking back at it. Yeah. Like, pretty incredible how it, how much she was actually able to lock into like that child experience, mm-hmm. uh, or even a teenage experience. Yeah. Um, she was around our age when she wrote the books. I think she was around thirty. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm making that up. I don't now, know. now that now that we're nearly thirty, I'm probably I think like I, I in my mind I'm like she was older. She must have been older. I know, <laughs> like, right? I'm not capable <laughs> of writing a masterpiece. Nor would I ever be. But... Segment two: Birdie Bots Every Flavor Beans. This segment covers general thoughts about the chapters we have read. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're going into segment two, which is just general thoughts that didn't fall into anything yeah yeah. Um, random stuff so the first thing that i thought of was that the marauders must have been really really good at magic they must have been really really smart to have been able to teach themselves how to become um anime guy yeah i agree (laughs) like that's some advanced level shit Mm -hmm. i also noted that ron has a really rough go of it in these chapters. He breaks his leg and then he finds out his pet rat is a 30-something-year-old man who killed a bunch of people. Mm. Like, that would be so traumatizing. <laughs> yeah. And just to, like, elaborate on that, like, I, I said in my notes here that the, there's a, it's a funny thing how Ron's like, I don't buy it, I'm off. Like, at some point, he's like, but he's got a broken leg. It's like, <laughs> What what part of, like, just, like... How are you going to get somewhere? Like <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, I'm going to make a stand here, but you can't even stand up. I mean, like, to be fair, like, he's probably massively in denial and in shock. He's like, ah. Yeah. I just have a vision of Ron. Everyone be like, okay, see you, Ron. Just, Bye, like, Ron. backing himself away, like, his leg's not splintered or anything. He's just kind of, like, crippling his way down through that tunnel. Oh, God. Anyway. So, in the last episode, uh, when I was talking to G, I questioned why Lupin never told anyone that Sirius was an Animagus, and um, I realized now, in these set of chapters, he explains it, so he says that he was really ashamed, and he didn't want to admit that he had led his peers to do that, and he didn't want to, like, let Dumbledore down, and I, it just makes so much more sense now. Yeah. No, I think that's, like, I think Lupin's, like, arc, how it, it's revealed and, and is a huge understated part of, of the chapters that we're reviewing. 100%, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about that more later, but... Yeah, I have more notes on that for Lupin. Yeah. Can I, can I chime in here? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I thought it was... <laughs> at one point, it was I thought it was quite innocent and naive of Hermione to believe that... Uh, Peter Pettigrew would have registered himself as an anime, anime guy, anime guy. So part of Hermione's character is that she really strongly believes in like rules and believes in authority. And it's part of her character arc throughout the books where she realizes that this is not always true and authority and books and like logic doesn't always apply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So you're right. Like, of course, people do things that are not right all the time, but it's definitely like an interesting moment for her. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely her na- naivety and perhaps yeah. innocence kind of came across mm-hmm. in that moment. Yeah. You see it a lot throughout, like, this book, yeah. that sort of theme where she's, like, really coming to terms with it as i was thinking about hermione time turning to do all of her classes i just couldn't help but feel like her sleep schedule would have been so fucked up like you're going back and just redoing hours and hours of your life you would just be Mm. so exhausted all the time and that's how uh polly's uh second podcast was born a walk around <laughs> yeah. hogwarts yeah featuring hermione in an upcoming episode <laughs> to help hermione fall asleep <laughs> inspired by the time turner <laughs> oh god yeah no that would have been fucked up yeah but you know it's uh 
it, it managed to come around full circle. I think it would be really, really difficult to watch a lot of the events that happen unfold. You know how, like, Harry and Hermione are re-watching things happen? Like, it would be so hard to watch Peter Pettigrew get away and, like, not well, be able to do that. anything about it. They do yeah. mention that. And they're like, Harry's like, oh, I can just go get him. And then, you know, it's... it's I think at some point, though, they were there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and... You know, Dumbledore said like more than one innocent life can be can be spared. Like that ended up being obviously Buckbeak, but yeah, the main also reason serious, was yeah. yeah. So that's like that's the number one plan there. Yeah, and I think if Harry had a mess with that, then it could have it could have un- unraveled a whole bunch of other stuff, right? Yeah. So I think it made sense that they both rationalized that and, and, and talked it out and were like, no, we can't. But also, like, when he escaped, he's a rat. And he's, like, yeah. running to the castle. It's like, at the same time, what are you going to do, man? Hermione says that as well. She's like, how are you going to find a rat in the grass? Yeah. Right? Like... <laughs> but at the same time, the emotion must have been... It would have been really hard. Yeah. yeah. So I found it really interesting. Um, Dumbledore tells Harry that when one wizard saves another wizard's life, they have a a deep bond Mm. and there's a magic that happens when a wizard saves another one's life. And I thought that was a really interesting thing. And I also kind of, it gave me a little bit of a throwback to the first book when Harry and Ron go and help save Hermione from the troll. And then they say like, there's something, some things that you can't live through without becoming friends. And I kind of wondered if they had that kind of a bond with each other. Segment three, Dumbledore's blunders. We discuss the good and the bad about our friend Dumbledore. So we're, we're going into Dumbledore. Um, the first thing I had was that I think it was really cool that Dumbledore lets Lupin uh, teach at the school and also go there as a kid. I thought that that was a good moment for Dumbledore. That is literally the first thing I wrote. Inviting Lupin to teach faith he had for Lupin. Yeah. So, like, not just as a kid, but, like, then bringing him back as a teacher and saying, hey, look, mate, I, I like what you're about. Yeah, especially considering Sirius and Lupin were such good friends. And then he's like, come yeah. teach at Hogwarts where Harry's at and we're worried about, yeah, you know, all of that. I just really noted a lot in this book that I felt like Dumbledore was pretty fucking likable in this book, which we haven't really liked Dumbledore all that much. We've kind of cut into him quite a bit, Um, but he does a lot of really good things in this book. He helps, you know, Sirius and Buckbeak get away, and he believes Sirius, he believes the kids. It's just... He is winning at this one. <laughs> I agree. He's he's in full champion mode by yeah. the end. He tells Hermione what to do. But he also gives her a clue but doesn't try and give her all the, you know. That's like classic he Dumbledore. He gives her a little Easter egg. <laughs> he's like, here's a little sprinkle. A little sprinkle. Yeah. Now go figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But he also, it's more, like in this case, it's more than a sprinkle. He He just tells her, you've got to use this. Yeah. And you've got to go and save him. But there is more than one innocent life you can save. Mm-hmm. So he has his way of putting in a little cryptical Easter Yeah, egg. he's very cryptic. Um, I, yeah, I, I put a quote in here because Dumbledore always has, like, the best quotes or the most, like, profound or most well-known quotes. So mm-hmm. I, we normally... Did I you kinda... put your name in the goblet? <laughs> yes, but in the book it says... Calmly. <laughs> Calmly. Calmly. Did you put your name... In the goblet. In the goblet. Dumbledore said calmly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so it's... You think the dead we have loved ever truly leave us. You think we don't recall them more clearly um, than ever in times of trouble. Your father is alive in you, Harry, and shows himself most plainly when you are in need of him. How could you have produced that particular Patronus? Prongs rode again that last night. I just, it's so cute. See, Dumbledore is just awesome in this book. Yeah, Prongs <laughs> rode again. That was that was pretty sweet. Right? Mm-hmm. 
See, this is where you're like Dumbledore. You're a, you're great. <laughs> yeah, I think I think also like with Lupin as well. Like it speaks to not wanting to let him down as well. So Dumbledore was like that whole dad, like mm-hmm. that kind of like oh I don't want to let him down. Like he's I don't want to be him to yeah I like, don't. It's worse for someone to be disappointed in you than to be yeah. angry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I you know I'm not a dad, but. I mean, yeah, but like, listen, when you work with kids like we have, you know that you've pulled that before. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) Segment five, remember all. Here we talk about the things we forgot. Okay, so um, do you have anything you forgot about that you remembered as you were reading it? About Dumbledore? Oh, no, we're going into the next segment. So things that we remembered as we were reading the text. Yeah, uh, Ron broke his leg. You didn't remember that? No. It have been a long time. <laughs> and it got fixed pretty much straight away, so... I mean, there was actually quite a while that he would have had that... His leg would have been broken. Yeah, it was like three hours. Yeah, that's a long time to have a broken leg. But, like... <laughs> You're talking to a guy that's broken his leg multiple times. Yeah, but they give you painkillers after a certain point, right? Yeah. Right? So, <laughs> Yeah. he had no painkillers, was just sitting there while all this dramatic shit's happening yeah, like, and a broken just leg. <laughs> just because you have painkillers, like, there's still pain through surgeries and recovery and rehab. and. Yeah, I don't really know anything about it. I've never no. broken a bone. Well, I broke my teeth, but the, that, does that count as a bone? As calcium in teeth. But no, like the, not, not, the, the not, bones in your face that are I visible. <laughs> I wouldn't classify that as a broken bone. It was really fucking painful. Yeah. Because there's nerve endings in there. How was the rehab? Listen, Brownie, I have to. I had to get two fucking root canals on this thing. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, in that case. It was traumatic. Okay. Yeah. It was horrifying. One of them they put me under. The second one they did while I was awake. While I was awake and I was a child, it was really traumatic. This is why I haven't had my wisdom teeth out. Yeah, you need to go to the dentist. No, I don't. Mm, They just keep telling me they're going to give me laughing gas, but then I'm worried about all the shit I'm going to say when they give me laughing gas. Okay, I think you're overthinking this. No, I'm not. People say weird shit all the time. So what? I don't want to do it. So what? You're weird in front of a a surgeon who you're never going to see again, hopefully. Uh, no, I, I know you people. You'll film me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. Uh, what else did I forget? Uh, the, Whomping, the Whomping Willow was planted when Lupin attended school for Lupin. That, yeah. that was pretty cool. And also, Bloody must have grown pretty quick. Like, the Whomping Willow, did they just install that? I know there's magic, so they could have just, I like, installed of... it as a, like, baby whomping willow, and then... I kind of imagine that it's just, like, Animal Crossing, where, like, if you eat a piece of fruit, you, like, dig into the ground underneath the tree, and then it pops it out, and you can put it somewhere else. Okay, I have no knowledge of Animal Crossing and how that horticulture works, but my question would be, was the whomping <laughs> willow always, like, as it was installed, was it whomping, or was it just a willow? Like, I think it was both. Well, it can be both, but like a will. Okay, when I say was it a willow, was it just like a non-whomping willow? And then somebody was like, "I don't really like, understand." Do you mean whether was it was it a, a willow tree? Yeah, like, like when a it was planted. Tree. Yeah, like no, when I did think it become it's a whomping? breed. I think it's a breed of tree. Right. Whomping willow. Oh, yeah. okay. So it's not okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I think. Anyway, that would make more <laughs> sense. But then, even then, like, was it a baby whomping willow? Like, did it have a radius of like? 12 feet instead of like 25 like i said i think it's just like animal crossing where they just pop it out and pop it back somewhere else so it probably was whomping 25 feet the entire time yes (laughs) but it has this little knuckle thing that you can press and then yeah um i forgot like i knew that crookshanks and sirius were like communicating with each other in some kind of a way but I didn't remember how much, like, they actually had a bond together. Like, Crookshanks was, like, laying on Sirius's chest, like, protecting him. And I was like, oh, so cute. Little fluffy cat. Cute. <laughs> I, I even forget, like, what Crook, Crookshanks looks like. 
orange and fluffy. Fluffy. How big? How big are you talking? Fluffy. Cat-sized. Okay, so it's not like a bigger cat. It's just a regular cat. Well, you're a big fluffy cat. Why are you talking like that? (laughs) Because that's how you talk when you see a fluffy cat. (laughs) This is why you're not allowed to get cats. (laughs) Not that I've ever forbidden you from getting cats. Why have I never got a cat? Maybe I have. (laughs) Maybe I am right now. You're not allowed to get cats. Well, we've never lived anywhere that allowed us to have pets. So. Yeah, because if there were cats in your house with dogs. Oh, God. I also don't even know what I would do. Like, this is what's always really, truly prevented me from getting a pet. Is like, I always go to camp. No, good. So what would I do with a cat or a dog in the summer at camp? All right. No, it's, like, it's it, would be, it would be impossible. Like, someone else would have to take care of it. And my parents have two dogs and they're not going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Sure. Anyways. You could bring a fish, maybe. That's about it. Maybe some flamingos. Well, a lobster. <laughs> or something, something made up. One summer, my friend Izzy and I, we were very set on getting pet lobsters. And we tro- we wanted to like buy them from like the grocery store. <laughs> but then we realized that you needed to get a saltwater tank and that it was going to be really expensive. So we didn't do it. <laughs> Because we thought it was, like, animal cruelty to just buy a pet and let it die. Yeah, you can't really release that in the lake <laughs> no. at the end of the summer. Well, and then the whole joke was that we were going <laughs> to name it. We were going to name the lobster Edith. <laughs> Edith August the 2nd, because we were going to eat it August the 2nd. But you weren't. <laughs> I wasn't going to because I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> and if... That's that's points for everyone playing at home. Have you ever mentioned that you're vegetarian on the podcast? No, I don't know if I have. Because oh, that could have been a bit of a cliffhanger. Oh, yeah. D- did Polly eat the lobster? On August the 2nd, 2000. And we're going to tell you on August the 2nd. That's how you get through quarantine, folks. <laughs> you eat Fine. a fucking lobster at the end. You just make no, you just, no. You that's how you get through wondering. Oh, wondering. That's what keeps you. And then going. You meant like on August the second, everything's gonna end for a quarantine. For and a good lobster dinner, good bisque. If you're listening out there and you're not from Canada, like we live in Ontario and like nothing is open still. We're just here, like two and a half months later, still. Well, I mean, parks have lifted. I played golf today. Yeah, a lot Things of people went bad. to Trinity Bellwoods right. the other day. Things aren't that bad. Come there on. was like thousands of people in Trinity Bellwoods the other day, and yep. the mayor was there and as well. For all of you outside of Trinity, Trinity Bellwoods, uh, that is a, a a big park. Yeah. The central park of, of Toronto, Yeah. so to speak, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, the day after, there was zero people because they implemented more bylaw officers. <laughs> yep. <sighs> yep. Anyway. Classic. Uh, Classic. Right Anyways. Um, so, in the movie, when Harry and Hermione time turn, Ron is, like, awake in the hospital wing. And then there's a moment when they reappear and he's like, you were there and you were there and now you're here. Like, and I thought that that happened in the book, but he's actually just passed out the whole time in the book. And Chasing some Zeds. Yeah. Good stuff, Ron. He broke his leg. He's probably whacked out. <laughs> yeah. But like, I don't know why. Like, I really thought that that was like a book thing. So I, it's weird when the movies and the books like blend together like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, for sure. I think that's one thing that's often underestimated is how humans just sometimes need to just rest. I thought you were going to say, like, our memory. Something about our memory. No. <laughs> no, just rest. Okay. Like, I think because we're always, like, no one ever made a movie or had a book where it was like, and then they slept. And there were people sleeping. Frodo sleeps for a long time. Yeah. In Rivendale. Yes. And he wakes up on October 24th, and I know that because that's my fucking birthday! <laughs> wow. <laughs> I remember reading the book and being like, holy shit, he woke up on my birthday! That is a bomb. <laughs> Just dropped a bomb right there. That's that's a great... Like, wow, now I'm thinking about Rivendell. Can we just talk about Rivendell for a bit? It seems like a really cool place. I, I think that's probably Rivendell. one of the coolest places okay. in the Lord of the Rings You've got series. a choice to go. You can go visit Hogwarts or you can go visit Rivendell. Hogwarts, any day. Okay, you've got to go visit Hogsmeade or you've got to go visit Rivendell. 
Rivendale. Dell. Not Dale. Dale. Not Dale. Dale. <laughs> Rivendale. It's not bloody River. Riverdale. Riverdale. I can remember that Frodo woke up on fucking Betty the and Veronica's Archie's just chilling. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, continuing on. Do you have anything else you remembered? Uh, let me just see. I. Oh yes. Wait, I... sorry. Did you write all of your 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 notes for one segment in one long sentence? Wow. Are you reading my notes now? <laughs> Sorry, okay, no, I won't. I want to be surprised. It's just weird that they're like, just so, because like I do them like point form, like bullet points. Yeah, look, my if only you understood how my brain works. <laughs> if only I understood how my brain works. Okay. Uh, anyways, continuing on. Looking at the notes that I've uh, carefully constructed, uh, I forgot that prongs. In fact, firstly, I forgot that who. The Prongs, Moody, Padfoot, and Wormtail, who they even referred to, except for Wormtail. Are you being serious? Wow, that was serious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Moody. I really like the Marauders. Moody. Mooney. Moon. Oh, Moony. Moony. See, there you go. See, I even forgot how to pronounce Moony. I, I look. I remember that was the four of them, and I remember that, that. But I don't like if you had asked me who Padfoot was for a million dollars yesterday. I would have probably said James. Is it James? Yeah, it is. Okay, nice. Okay, and what about Wormtail? That's definitely uh, serious. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's Wormtail. It's uh, Scabbers. Uh, Peter yeah. Pettigrew. Uh, prongs is... Um, oh, wait. Did you say Mooney before? No, Prong, Prongs, prongs, prongs is, is James. Is, yeah, sorry. Prongs is James. I would have said sorry. Padfoot was James. Padfoot, Padfoot's probably no, serious. dogs have pad feet. Yeah, but I didn't think about that. So, and, and now, look, now that you've said that, it kind of relates to their anime so guy. This m- <laughs> margarita is kind of going to my head right now. I'm trying to keep track of all of this. Yeah, if, if you're still with us, you just spilled it on my leg. Sorry. If everyone's still with us right now, thank you. Be patient. Um, Brownie, if they're still with us, it's because they've listened to way worse than whatever this <laughs> is, okay? <laughs> so, Mooney, Padfoot, Wormtail, and Prongs. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mooney, Moon. Lupin. Yeah, oh, there you go. Padfoot, dogs nice. have pad feet. Serious. Wormtail, obviously. I'll never forget that now. He's a fucking little wormtail. Uh, <laughs> I'm never going to forget prongs. that. Prongs, I don't really know what's the actual connection between prong. prongs. Prongs is like the yeah, prongs the of the, yeah, and he, the, yeah, yeah. the antlers? Yeah, the yeah. antlers. Sounds like tongs. Tongs. <laughs> Like That's what I think of prongs. <laughs> lobs. Why do you keep going back to the lobster? Let, I don't let know. it go. I'm it's not sorry. August the second. You can't say this right now. Polly's like got lobster claws. She's just like <laughs> grabbing the air. Okay. Anyways, okay. That's all I have uh, for this. I did. Segment. I did also. I forgot that 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 prongs as animagus was a stag. Oh uh, my god! How did and you Lupin possibly gave, forget and that? Lupin That's also gave them the map. As well, we gave it back to them. No, he gave them the map for no, the no, first no. time. N- no. So, just for clarification, Brownie only read this chunk of chapters, so he doesn't know what happened in the first set of chapters, or the second set. Um, Fred and George gave Harry the Marauder's map, and then it was confiscated by Lupin later. Oh. And then Lupin gives it back to him, because he's like, I'm no longer your teacher, have it back. Segment six, spew. This is the segment where we discuss any social issues that appear in the books. I got salad as well the last week. Brownie added extra sugar into the fucking margarita mix. Simple syrup. It's simple syrup. It's, it's sugar water. It's part of it's the margarita. Sugar water. <laughs> it's, it was two spoonfuls, not even big ones. Two. You, spoonfuls. It's not part of the margarita. The 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 mix already has sugar in it. The, I only put a tiny bit of the mix in. That's crazy. It's a tiny bit of the mix. And you are the fucking gingerbread man. He, listen, everybody. Okay. Is this everybody, going on the podcast? Is this really it's recording right now. Everyone out there, Brownie literally like tries to hide sneakily foods into my food. Like, eat this. Fatten up. I'm going to fatten you up. <laughs> I have literally no comment right now. So, spew. It's a little bit early in the night for that. A few more migrators and you might have one. Stop. 
<laughs> bit of ban- like, there's a bit of ba- banter, a little bit of uh, bit of elbowing right now. I'm gonna spray some things in your eye again. Yeah, jeez, not again, not again. Uh-huh. Um. Okay. So, the biggest thing that I was kind of thinking about when I was reading this set of chapters was when I'm rereading it knowing that J.K. Rowling was trying to parallel Lupin's experience being a werewolf with um, the AIDS epidemic and with people with HIV, everything made a lot more sense to me. And I really see what she was trying to do there. Wow. Yeah, I had no idea that that was a parallel, but I wrote Lupin's story raises some questions about acceptance. Yeah, so it's all about like... When, when the AIDS epidemic was happening, people really, like, demonized people with HIV and they were afraid to be around them and stuff like that. So when you're when rereading it now, I'm like, holy shit, like, this all makes sense. Where she was drawing those, like, parallels from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And feeling... And also, but it, it kind of empowers... It's a story of, of, uh, of empowerment as well. Mm-hmm. Like Lupin, Lupin's a, he's such a loved character. Yeah. And then the arc, the arc to come from that is, you know, when you, if you are looking at the, the HIV epidemic, like there is a lot of strength that can be drawn from Lupin's character and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and those who have, have that in our community. But that's the beauty of, uh, of Dumbledore and what he did is that he's allowed Lupin to thrive in an environment where that is not, like that is not, Neither here nor there. Yeah. You know, and there are a few people like Snape's one, and there are a few people who who have but their suspicions. Him but and, him and Snape have a very complicated history. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you do see it once people find out that he is a werewolf. Like they're not gonna want him as a teacher there anymore. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. it's yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of bullshit, if you ask me. One hundred percent, I agree with that. <laughs> I would because he's literally one of the best teachers they have there, aside from probably McGonagall. Okay. I always have a thing for like Professor Sprout as well. <laughs> She's a dark horse. Really? Yeah. That's random. Sure. I mean, I do like to garden now. Flitwick as well. <laughs> like I just, I think, like, I look at like, I mean, for those of you that don't know, I was a teacher. I'm a teacher, I guess. Um, but, uh, I would love for you to just like read one of one of the bo- upcoming books or a set of chapters and then just talk about like pedagogy at Hogwarts. Yeah, perhaps. Um, <laughs> no, where I was going with that was like the staff room during meal times. Oh yeah, we've they... talked about this before. We're like, can you imagine being in that staff room? <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, that's that would be where it's at. I, I'd love to just be a fly on the wall for that. For a couple of lunch times, and then there's and then so of... many eccentric personalities at Hogwarts in yeah. terms of the teachers, but then also the things that they're experiencing with their students and stuff is just so bizarre. It's like, we reckon they have Friday <laughs> afternoon drinks. Because you just imagine all the uh, they they clearly do. Um, the so earlier in this book, when all the kids go to Hogsmeade, the teachers go into Hogsmeade as well, and then they all are sitting at a table, and they're, like, gossiping about Harry and Sirius Black. And that's how Harry hears the whole story about how Sirius ratted out his parents to Voldemort and this whole thing about wow. all of at, that. At the Leaky Cauldron. Yeah, they're sitting there, and they're all drinking with, with the, like, barmaid. Wow. Yeah. That's why they call it the Leaky Cauldron. <laughs> Things get leaked. Yeah. They do. <laughs> the invisibility... In, oh. <laughs> How about the invisibility cloak? Can fit three people under it, um, which is little... Uh, well, it wouldn't be okay right now, given the social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> if there were social distancing practices in place. No, that is not two metres or six feet apart. I have a feeling that Harry, Ron and Hermione right. in that situation would not have given a fuck. They would have just gone. I mean, they they would have been doing Zoom classes. So, <laughs> let's be real. Hogwarts has no safety and no rules, basically, <laughs> like all the time. They would have been like, "Fuck COVID nineteen. All of you can stay here. <laughs> Hogwarts is the safest place." 
Yeah. Doing what a great quotes. place to get locked down, though. With magic. Yeah, it'd be pretty good. There's that. There's Quidditch. And there's magic. Yeah. And there's Hogsmeade. Probably not. Probably Hogsmeade visits are off. Especially oh. for Harry. He doesn't have a letter. <laughs> he can't even go. Okay, um, moving on. Anyways, so I noticed in this book, this is like a little bit more amped up. Oh, what? Hitting the microphone. I noticed in this book, it's a little bit more amped up um, that Snape has a lot of like very aggressive like anger towards Hermione. And especially in these last couple chapters, he keeps telling Hermione to hold her tongue mm. and is like yelling at her being like like do you ever stop talking basically and it just really bothers me because he never talks this way to anybody else uh, like he's not nice to harry he's not nice to ron he's not nice to any of the guys but he specifically tells hermione to hold her tongue all the time i think like also like hold your tongue is like a very i don't know if it's a like does it not to just me, feel to me like that it sounds like it's in from middle earth it doesn't sound like it's from it doesn't, yeah, like, like, it, doesn't sound it like sounds like, like a in. very old thing to say. Yeah. Like, it, not even just Middle Earth, just like something like somebody who's really old would say. Yeah, like, it doesn't Like, really from a different fit. time period. It doesn't it's like, fit. Well, it, it just, I feel like it's very specifically chosen, you be know? Be quiet. Like, you could just be like, be quiet. Like, no one's talking Yeah, to or... hold your tongue. It feels like a very sexist, very, like, old... It's a primal, it's like a prime. it's very, like... Yeah, you the tongue like the tongue reference is like that's that's a very uh niche way of saying it. Segment 7 Expecto Patronum. We dig deep and find the happiest moments from the chapters at hand. But moving on to happier things. I thought it was really really cool how Crookshanks can like weave in and out of like the Whomping Willow branches and like touch that little knot and then everything freezes. That's so cool. I loved it. Yeah. So cool. Crookshanks just like checks all the boxes. Coolest pet award. Hermione. You're still not getting a cat. I don't want a cat. I want a dog. Mm. A little fluffy dog. Because I'm not little. Now I want a bigger one. you're talking about that. So you can't like you can't you have to change your tone. A fluffy dog. It doesn't happen. Unless you want Fluffy. a little Kardashian dog. Could we bring Stuart here to live with us? <laughs> I think that would be too much for him. Why? He would love it. He loves you. He loves me. We're like the only two people in the world he lets cuddle. Yeah, but what would that do to Stella? I mean, she just bosses him around all day. So she would just be like, I, hmm, I get to do whatever I want Wait, now. Look, you could try it for a week. <laughs> Seriously. But then that would probably be wrong to him. <laughs> Sorry. You off the <laughs> I did. I almost fell off the couch. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Okay. Uh, I thought what made me happy was look, I did write Crookshanks being in on it. I thought that was pretty sweet. Um, but I did say Madame Pomfrey using chocolate as medicine. What was in that chocolate, Madame Pomfrey? <laughs> Are you saying it's like bot chocolate? Maybe. A bit of THC. Yeah. A bit... That's funny. Getting We've... a little bit high. <laughs> In the hospital wing? Well, because we've talked about um, the chocolate before, but not in that way. We've just talked about how it's an interesting way to sort of teach kids um, to self-care. Like, when you've gone through something really bad, you, like, eat something that makes you feel really good, and then it makes you, like, feel better. Well, Pomfrey knows what's up. Either she's done a great job of disguising... Well, they, th- in the chocolate, or no, throughout the whole like... series, chocolate is a thing that they give you when you experience a dementor. It makes you feel better. I said them getting a map, the map, uh, and the invisibility cloak. That was cool. Kind of like strings to their bow for future things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then you you were saying that they already had. They'd had it throughout on. this book, but not the one before this. And then the last one was that the Quidditch World Cup was something that they could look forward to oh yeah you should read when we read the fourth book you should read the first little bit i'd be interested in you reading it because that's when they go to the quidditch world cup Mm -hmm. and you like sports and you're basically the only person i know who likes sports and we always really struggle whenever we talk about anything to do with quidditch because we're like 
is this a thing in sports? I don't know. Well, I'm sure the the viewers out there will fondly remember uh, the time that I chimed in. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I, I asked you all the questions about Quidditch. Yeah. So. Wait. Oh, I had a question. Okay. So in this book, when they're doing the Quidditch Cup for the school, the very last game that they play. That was a really big yawn. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't mean to be rude. It's okay. Um, okay, but the very last game that they play, it's Slytherin versus Gryffindor. And basically, Gryffindor starts off like negative 50 because they'd lost certain points in a different game. Hmm. And so they have to like make sure that they're up this many points before Harry catches the snitch. Is that a normal thing? Because I just thought it was like a round robin where like if you lose a game, you lose. And then you play against, like the winners play against each other. No, I've never heard of a sport where you go into a new match. Negative something? Down okay. something. Like you might have a player who's fatigued or injured <laughs> that's or, totally different <laughs> you know like but never like the score is the score as far as i'm concerned always starts at zero. Zero zero. okay yeah cool she just made that up then cool okay this is this comment didn't age well because we've been talking about cats so much um i said i love crookshank so much i want a floofy cat a floofy smart cat just like him can we just pause, and, like, the way you're saying fluffy? Fluffy? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> fluffy. Okay, right. And now you've got, like, an English weird accent. That's just fluffy. how you say it. Fluffy. Fluffy. Right. Um, That's wild. The fans agree with me here. Um, anyways. It's wacky. I'm just obsessed with Grishnik's. <laughs> Polly has lost it. I'm going to commandeer the calm right now. I feel like we're on Star Trek. I've got the calm. This is uh, all thanks to quarantine. I don't know. Maybe thanks to the margaritas. Quarantine and margaritas. The mixture. <laughs> Every time I drink margaritas in quarantine, shit gets a little weird. <laughs> Next thing I'll be watching Love Island. <laughs> I really wanted to watch that, and then I don't know what happened. I never did. Was that the one that was on Netflix? Yeah. Love Island? Yeah. Was it like Temptation Island or something? Temptation Island was the other one. We, we watched uh, it when we were still working. Anyways. Wait, look, if anyone's watched uh, Love Island... <laughs> you told me you watched it all the other night. You said you stayed up until like 5 a.m. watching it. Yeah. <laughs> He's a liar. Night. I did. Why not? I watched it. But it was on It was on repeat. And oh, there, was an Aussie, there was an Aussie bloke doing most of the... So I was like, yeah, sweet. You just missed your mouth. I did. You gotta I'm check you fucking, gotta check yourself. I'm fucking drunk. Okay. <laughs> carry on. Carry on. For everyone listening in, we're we're nearly at the finish line here. Yeah. You stick, don't have to put up with us much stick longer. With it. <laughs> Polly still has to put up with me for the next X amount of months. <laughs> it's an indefinite future. <laughs> and I have to put up with a hangover tomorrow. Austin and I are supposed to chat tomorrow, so Um. I'll just have to drink a little bit of the hair of the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you guys didn't catch this, but her face when she said hair of the dog was something to behold. What was it? I, look, I, I'm not going to do it Was it blissful justice. or was it like sad? It was like you turned your head there and it was like you kind of like had a, a nice little... Little flirtatious? Moment with yourself. <laughs> flirtatious with myself? Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm young again. Oh. Day drinking. <laughs> That's what my 20s felt like. <laughs> getting drunk back for to like... Back drinking. Getting drunk like five days in a row? <laughs> or was that just uh, me? Five days in a row? Jeez, I, I don't even think I was doing that in my heyday. Oh God, please don't touch me. <laughs> no, that's because you didn't drink as much as me. <laughs> I used to drink a magnum of wine More every elbow, time I went out. You didn't even elbow. know me back then. <laughs> you don't want to know me back then. <laughs> You actually wouldn't have wanted to know me. <laughs> so I feel like J.K. Rowling does a really, really amazing job of the twist in this book. Just because 
basically the entire book the entire character development that you have for Sirius is that he's like horrible he's done all these horrible things he's a killer he's this person and then literally in the span of like a chapter you're like okay I want Harry to go live with him now like it's literally like all of a sudden you're like he's so endearing and I want Harry to live with him I think a lot of that has to like she's very smart because she's built up that Harry's been so deprived for so long and he's had such hardship mm-hmm. living at the Dursleys and he's so like, you're like he's here's this one out. person who yeah. like or not one person because like Lupin is also another really strong figure for him but it's like yeah. it's this person the, the both of them are these people who are connected to his parents in a very special way and it's it's like this is my godfather. I have the option to leave. And I know now that he wasn't evil. Yeah. And that all of this time, he has been, like, stewing over this. And like, I think, it's just, but, like, it's... As, as readers, like, that's what we're crying out for. Like, we're crying out for someone who can bridge that gap and who can, you know, save the Dursleys. Like, save the Dursleys. <laughs> and Harry. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> let's be honest, they're not huge fans of him either. But, yeah, you know, I think it's a win-win for everyone. I liked that Hermione got to have, like, her moment in this book. Because in, like, the last book, she was very absent. And then Ron was there for sort of up until almost the very end. Shits and gigs. (laughs) And then for a lot of this book, Hermione was absent as well. And then it, it was just very nice to actually have her, like, there fully present for like the climax of the book i was just like this is great yes because i feel like we've been missing her and i just loved having her there is that down to the chamber of secrets because how much of a role did hermione play down in the chamber of secrets zero because she was petrified yeah right so that's so where she was in the yeah that's where you're going with that so it was kind of nice and and so she basically wasn't in a lot of that book, the second one. Mm-hmm. And for this one, Ron and Hermione were feuding for most of the beginning of the book. So it was just like, where the yeah. fuck is Hermione? Like, why are we not having her here? So it was kind of nice. Ron was in the hospital wing this time, and Hermione got to come along for the finale. <laughs> so I kind of appreciated that. Yeah, and I But think, it would also it... kind of be nice to have all three of them there for a finale. So I don't know. Mm. Or just in general. My last thing for this segment was that I love that Harry's Patronus was a stag and that that's what James's Animagus was. I think that that is so cute. It makes me feel so much joy. I loved it because it's just this connection that he has to his dad and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It definitely gets you off on the right foot. Not the prong, not the prong foot. <laughs> Segment 8, Ordinary Wizarding Levels. We close our podcast off by talking about any questions we had about the content. How long was Lupin transforming in the Shrieking Shack? Wait, is this a question or... Yeah. Are we in the next segment now with questions? I thought we were already there. How long was Lupin transforming in the Shrieking Shack? Like, it must have been a long time for the Shrieking Shack to be named the Shrieking Shack. Well, so it would have been seven years. That's how long you would have been at Hogwarts for. Seven years. And what was it named before? Well, I think they put it there. Well, I don't know. It must have been a building that was already pre-existing. You could maybe could say a shack. Yeah, a pre-existing shack. Um, but yeah, non, probably would have, would have been shrieking for seven years. Wow. Yeah. I like. I have a lot of questions about the shrieking shack. What what kind of questions? I like. What is inside? What's the layout like? So like, it was sort of can... described as having like a bed or something and then everything was how many scratched stories apart. are there like when i think about it i think of uh godric's hollow what like, no not, i think it's actually it's like i i describe it as like one room in oh. my head that's what i thought like a room with like a bed because he would have only been there for one night right well in my head i'm like it's a multi-story thing so well yeah i guess in the movie it's actually multiple stories as well isn't it like it's like a big slanty building possibly yeah yeah so I'm thinking about the schematics of the Shrieking Shack and also how far away the Shrieks can reach. Like, Well, obviously they reach the... the... Here's the thing, though, that's kind of weird. is like, 
it would have only been a couple years, and then he would have made friends with the Marauders, and then they would have become Annie Magi, and then he wouldn't have been in there screeching anymore. That's what I'm thinking. So, so maybe it was only like, what, like three years, four years? And like, then, how long did it take them to figure and that what, out? And like, then, it, what, like, the Village of the Fox made maybe just, like, it wasn't good land? Like, they didn't want to just, like, knock it down and, like, build something else? Well, they think it's haunted, so why would they? Because it could just be like you could just knock it down with a. Yeah, but you gotta think like, think about like the, like think about like Peeves. You can't just knock down a building that Peeves the poltergeist is in. He's fucking crazy. You're not going anywhere near him, unless you have to. <laughs> I, I like it. maybe it's just situated a little bit far away from the the big smoke. So I think it is. It's like a little no bit. No one really. No one really cares. In the movie, they always like walk up to it, and then it's like in a distance. Yeah. Yeah. So my question was. How on earth was Peter Pettigrew sorted into Gryffindor? Like, at what point do we ever see a part of his personality that is brave in any right way? Right at the end. Right at the end. When he, when he repays the debt and lets Is that actually brave, though? Or is that because he has a connection with Harry? It's brave. Because there must be some part that he has to go and do it, knowing that he'll accept the consequences. I don't know. I don't know if I buy it, but maybe. I think that's maybe. maybe what they're going for. I think that's the closest thing we could ever come to. Because uh, like, there's no other point that I ever see him as being brave. No. And you don't know enough about his character during school or... No, all we're ever to... shown of him is being yeah. like this just like weakling. No, maybe that's a stupid question. I said, does the stag represent something? What does it mean that Harry and his dad, his dad have this imagery? Because um, J.K. Rowling is very, very famous for having put a lot of time and effort into imagery or into wording and stuff mm. like that. So, like, street names will mean things and imagery will mean things. Like, Hermione, her Patronus is an otter? No, I don't know. Hermione and Ron's Patronuses are, like, linked together. And, like, things like that. They mean something. So does, like, a deer, like, a male deer, is it? does it signify something? Is it imagery in some way? You're asking me? Yeah, I don't know. Should we Google it? I, look, personally, I, I think it's, like... The stag is the king of the forest, the protector of all creatures. Yeah. For native tribes. The deer was a messenger... An animal of power and a totem representing sensitivity, intuition, and gentleness. So when I Google what does a stag represent, the first thing that comes up is represent spiritually and... Modern paganism. No, that was way below. <laughs> the next one was uh, stag symbolism Christianity, symbolism Celtic. Where should I have my stag do? He's making that up. <laughs> anyway, so I want to see what it says for spiritually. Oh, it's just the same thing that came up before. King of the forest. Yeah. Yeah. But it's in the... Yeah. Okay, so basically James is the king of the fucking forest. Like, that's a patriarchal figure. Like, stag coming through the forest, like, it's it makes sense. Like, if it was an ant, it wouldn't make sense. Well, no, because it would be the queen. Exactly. Maybe that'd be sweet. Maybe that's what he should have been. <laughs> so my last question is, um, Sirius says to Harry, if you ever need to find him, just send Hedwig and she'll find him. But how? How did these fucking owls find people? How do they know? How does he know? How does he know? How does she know where they are? Mate, owls probably have a unique sense of remembering locations are very dumb creatures they're like postmen but they don't they're like postmen but they don't even need gps like this has to be some sort of magical shit because like owls are actually very dumb yeah but like not delivery owls percy is what i'm gonna call my owl so you're saying we can get a pet not a cat <laughs> not a cat a floofy pet oh my god i was did not want to hear you say floofy again floofy. i can't believe the name and i said it fuck Okay, too many margaritas. We need to sign off. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening, guys. It's been a pleasure. Sweet dreams. You nearly snorted. I did. <laughs>
Blowfish nut. <laughs> I'm not laughing at that. I'm not laughing at that. Okay. All right. And Good. Thanks, guys. We're done. Well, that's all we have for you this week. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you have any thoughts, comments, or concerns about anything we've said on the podcast, you can send in a text or audio submission. You can do this on any of our social media or directly to our email address. And guys, be sure to follow uh, us on Tumblr at cauldroncakesandwine.tumblr.com or on Instagram at ccandwine. You can email us at cauldroncakesandwine at gmail.com or check out our website, cauldroncakesandwine.com. And of course, be sure to like, subscribe, review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening to the podcast. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.